Today's lesson is inspired by my visit to Jamestown, the settlement, the original settlement that began in 1607. I was there uh, last Wednesday. And it's interesting as you go into uh, this fort that I don't know how quickly they had built this fort up. There were a lot of setbacks in the beginnings of colonizing the states. There were a lot of lives that were lost. Uh, But they eventually got a decent-sized fort, and in in that fort, one of the larger buildings was a church building. Um, you can recognize it from the outside. It has a couple of bells at the peak. And we went into the church building, and there were uh, very, very uncomfortable pews uh, that would have been quite dangerous for toddlers, is what Holly noticed. Uh, but in the, uh, behind the, the podium where the person would, would speak, much like the setup we have is still kind of the same today, that the direction's towards the front, and uh, somebody is leading us in our thoughts. Behind the podium on the wall, they had posted, and I suspect this was uh, probably something common at that time, there was a creed posted back there. I believe is how it started, and that sign was back there. And that was the Apostles' Creed. I'm not really going to talk about the Apostles' Creed that was there, but it's a very basic creed. Most of it is uh, very basic. Most of us would just say, oh yeah, that's in Scripture, oh yeah, that's in Scripture. There's one line in particular that, that brings up some debate that is kind of a disputable uh, matter pertaining to Scripture because it talks about Jesus after he had died that he descended to hell or he descended to death. I think there are actually different variations of how to interpret even the line itself. But there is... Uh, some, uh, some. I will, I will say that there's, there's some people that can argue from Scripture for that particular line, and some that will argue against it. Maybe someday we'll deal with that. But it was there, the Apostles' Creed, very basic. And as I was looking at that creed then and examining it and thinking about it, then I also came across the Nicene Creed. And I'm not real, I'm not a big church history buff. But it was interesting to see. I was like, the Nicene Creed, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the Apostles' Creed. And it turns out, as I looked at it, well, it was developed that way. Some heresies had, had, um, had developed the note. And by the way, the Apostles' Creed was not even, wasn't written by the Apostles. It's not a part of Scripture. So it became known as the Apostles' Creed, but the Apostles had nothing to do with it, uh, save for their, their words were inspiration for much of it, at least. So the Nicene Creed, when you're, you're talking a couple of hundred years later in 325, the Nicene Creed is created. And the reason for the Nicene Creed was because the Apostles' Creed didn't seem to um, take care of all of the heresies that have been arising through the past couple of hundred years. And so we need to, they decide they need to expand the Apostles' Creed, make it a little bit more thorough so we can get rid of these people who are in error. And in particular, there was some debate about the idea of the Trinity of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, calling it the Trinity. Um, And so there was a Nicene Creed that was created, added more details of what those folks thought uh, was taking care of alleged heresy. So, And then that wasn't good enough because then um, another uh, 50 years later, 
they update the Nicene Creed and they keep adding more and more information in it. In it. So, creeds. From the standpoint of the fact that they are trying to respond to alleged heresy, they're trying to uphold the truth, I will say, okay, maybe you can write some things down and make it known that we believe the Bible says this. That's kind of dialogue, right? But then when it becomes this is what we follow, it becomes something more than a discussion of Scripture. It becomes the doctrines of men. So I want to talk a little bit about these, this idea of creeds because it fits very well with what we've been looking at and examining on Wednesday nights. Um, and that is that we want to be a people of the Scripture. We don't want to follow creeds. We want, when we gather here on Sunday mornings and we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're realizing that this is called communion for a reason. We commune, we participate with God, but also with one another. It's a participation. When I walk into uh, this Jamestown settlement and I see that one of the first things they do is they build a church, I'm thankful for that. Uh, a lot of what our country is, the greatness of it, has been that we have based, been based upon Christian principles. And that's a beautiful thing. And I want to walk into the Jamestown settlement and say, these were people who communed with God and with one another. And there's this sense that I have the same communion with them. I want to have communion. On this day, this Lord's Day, the first day of the week, there are churches across the world that gather and partake of the emblems of the cup and the bread. They participate with Christ. And if they're participating with Christ, I want to say I am in full communion with them. If they're in Christ, I am in Christ. I want this communion to be very real. We're to be one. That's what Jesus wanted, was for us to be one. And so as we think of then about, I, I transport myself back into Jamestown, into that church, and then I look at the creed on the back of the wall. And it makes me wonder and think, well, if they were following something other than the good book, then I might have to separate ways and I might not have communion with them. It's definitely on certain issues. I love the idea that people are going to stand for truth, but we cannot let that stand for truth become doctrine in and of itself. The church, so I'm, a, I'm talking about creeds and heresies, being able to um, uh, focus on what is truth, but to focus on what is truth, we don't look at the doctrines of men. We look at Scripture itself. So in, in uh, oh, I was going to reference my outline like you have it before you today. Some of you might uh, if you got the email, so I will uh, reference it some to make sure you're following along. My first statement, first part of the outline, says that the church must be the pillar and support of the truth by speaking the word of God, not by creating creeds of men. We've got to stick with the truth. So 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 is the first reference that we have uh, to consider. 1 Timothy 3 15. 
But in case I am delayed, I write to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. I believe grammatically you could question, well, what is that talking about? But the church is the pillar and support of the truth. This is how the church is to behave. We are to be the ones who uphold the truth. We don't do that by voicing our own opinions about things. We uphold the truth. We are the pillar and support of the truth. We must stand firm in the truth. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them, that's what we do. We don't add to it or take away from it. We listen to Jesus. We listen to what he taught his apostles and then what was passed to us through them. And we do it. Hear it and do it. The church is the pillar in support of the truth. And so we support that truth by speaking God's words, not our own. 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift... Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever is serving is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 11, what I remember is the King James Version, let him who speak, speak as of the oracles of God. So as I stand before you today, you hear the words that come forth from my mouth, you turn to the scripture and say, is what he's saying true? Am I saying the words of God or am I just putting my own word, twisting things my own way? Let him who speaks speak as of the oracles of God. Matthew 15, 9 warns against those who would cause men to follow their own ways and make their ways into commandments. Matthew 15 and 9. But in vain, this is Jesus speaking, but in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So what do we follow? Do we follow creeds and statements of men, or do we follow the Word of God? The church must be the pillar and support of the truth by speaking the Word of God, not by creating creeds of men. Note... Then that as we turn to the Word of God and we think about it, I want to make the point that an humble, honest search of Scripture will reveal the truth. There's this, this idea that certain people have to t- say, uh, say, well, I'm the, I'm the person in authority. I have to read this and then I have to write down what people must believe. There is, there is something that I want you to believe that you have to follow me 
in this thought. So you put it into, I'm going to put write a creed down and everybody has to say this creed. You have to agree with me or this group of people, a council, whatever it is. To think that somebody would do that is a little bit scary because Jesus says, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Let us not follow the creeds of men, but let us search together and find out what God says in his truth. So Acts chapter 17 is this wonderful, beautiful place that I've been to and revisited a few times here in sermons over the last uh, few months. But it's this wonderful thought, and it's what we are proposing to the community around us and the people that we go to, is that if you will study Scripture, you can come to an understanding of the truth. And the best way to come to an understanding of the truth is when we are studying together. Acts 17, 11. Now these were more noble. This is talking about the people in Berea. These were the Jewish, Jewish, the, the, uh, the Jews that were in the synagogue on a Saturday when, when Paul went there. Now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see, the, see whether these things were so. Paul came teaching. He's telling us something new, something about the Messiah. And he's saying the Old Testament was talking about Jesus. So they started looking at scriptures. They said, well, let's test this. Let's look at scripture and see if what Paul is saying is true. They searched it together. Many of them believed. That's a neat thought. Many of them came to acknowledge the truth. Many of them came to a saving grace that is found only in the blood, and the knowledge of the message of the cross. An humble, honest search of Scripture will reveal the truth. So search it together. And I encourage people to search it and search it and search it. Um, in a couple of days, it's going to be July 1st. And I want to encourage everybody in the congregation, if you haven't been reading the scheduled Bible reading that we as a congregation had, had put forth and encouraged you to do this year. We are, we are about to finish reading uh, the New Testament for the first time, and we're going to read the New Testament for the second time this year. And if you want to do that, and there's not discussion going along, we're just doing it and encouraging each other to continue in that. So if you want to do that, send me an email. I'll make sure that you get a copy of the schedule. And you can start on July 1st reading the New Testament. We got to read. We got to search scripture, and then we got to come together and talk about it. And folks, our Bible classes are important. You're going to learn more in a Bible class than you are from this guy talking up here and trying to tell you what to believe, which I actually don't want to do. I want to point out scripture, right? And can, in keeping with my own sermon today, I don't want to tell you what to believe. I want to encourage you to dive into the scripture. I want to challenge you in your thinking. So let's do this. Let us search the scriptures daily let us discuss scripture let us see what is the truth you can find the truth some things in here that are difficult to understand peter acknowledged that but we can come to a knowledge of the truth if we dig and dig deep all right 
As we consider the idea of us studying together, instead of one person or one group of people saying, this is what it says, this is what you must believe, consider this thought. Alternative views and ideas can be beneficial. Bringing us closer to the truth, just as the four Gospels all teach us about the one Christ. Four Gospels, right? This makes sense. There are four different perspectives on Jesus. And if you take only one of those perspectives, you don't get the full view of the truth. And sometimes as Christians, when we gather together and we start talking about things... Every once in a while, you get somebody in the crowd who, as we say, plays devil's advocate. Sometimes those people can be annoying. <laughs> but we all must make sure that we're challenging each other to say, do you really know the truth? Every generation has to grow up and challenge, them, challenge themselves. All right, everything my parents have taught me, everything I've heard from church, is it really the truth? And sometimes we have to challenge people, do the things that you believe or what you think about this particular verse, is it true? Purpose is not to bring up disputes. That's not why. We're not trying to cause controversy in the church. But studying together and considering alternative views and really working through issues and thinking about what Scripture Says and trying to take ourselves back in time because this was written to a people in a place in a far distant land in a far different culture, a strange place to us, separated by an ocean, separated by years and years. And to understand it's not always easy. So there's a, one of the reasons that we have church is because God needed us to gather to figure things out together. Proverbs 27, 17 is pretty familiar to us. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We make each other better. We do that. We can challenge each other in our own be Christian behavior, but we can also challenge it in our Christian knowledge too. So let us be devoted to searching the scriptures and talking about the scriptures together. All right, now, regarding matters that are disputable, here's where it gets interesting. And if I went back to the Apostles' Creed or that Nicene Creed, Nicene Creed in particular, I think there was, it was a response to this idea of um, the Trinitarianism, that idea. And Trinity is, you know, it's not a biblical word. Seems to be a biblical concept, but can we use a biblical concept and create a new word from it? Or are we going to discuss, let, us, let him who speaks speak as of the oracles of God? You can see how it can get challenging. And there might be some disputes because if somebody's talking about there are three in one and it's called the Trinity, somebody else, Trinity, that's not in my Bible. And we need to come together and discuss a very difficult issue, the Trinity of God. Who can explain? Excuse me. I don't want to be uh, bringing up controversy. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost being one, but being three, it's a complex issue. 
So are there some times that instead of telling, calling somebody else a heretic and they don't believe what I believe so they are wrong, are there times that we can have disputes and opinions and we can have dialogue and debate? And actually, if you look in chapter Romans 14, verse 1, there is a word in here, opinions. It's very closely, it looks almost like the word dialogue. So 14 of Romans, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So disputable matters. Matters that might be judgment on matters that are kind of like you can have an alternative viewpoint. One person has faith, I'm continuing in verse 2, one person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Here was a disputable matter. That's, hey, there's two, two differences of opinions you guys have got going on in Rome. Don't judge each other. And he, go, he, he also talks about different days. Uh, verse number five, one regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. So there are some disputable matters. The scripture doesn't have a full list of disputable matters. How could it possibly come up with the full list of disputable matters? So we have to be very wise. We have to understand God's word so we can understand what matters are disputable or opinions or there can be dialogue about those things. So first of all, there is an acknowledgement and acceptance when it comes to creeds and heresies and the truth is that there are sometimes going to be disputable matters. Romans, first of all, establishes that principle. And then regarding those disputable matters, I've got seven things outlined. Very quickly, I'm just going to go through these because they're straight from the scripture here in Romans chapter 14 and 15. So first of all, the principle's already been established from the first couple of verses. When it comes to the disputable matters, don't judge each other. So Nicene Creed, there was some Arminianism going on, and I don't know anything hardly about Arminianism, but they didn't like the idea of Trinitarianism. So they were clashing, those folks, brothers and sisters in Christ, I would hope. I wasn't around back then. All I can say is if they're believers in Jesus, I hope they would have dialogue and they would try and figure this out. And if they can't agree, then uh, they need to kind of separate but not judge the others, perhaps. I, You know, it's... I'd have to dig deep into that one. But don't judge others when there is a disputable matter. Um, As iron sharpens iron. If you can kind of work back and forth with disagreements, and you can dialogue about it and talk about it, and kind of say, this scripture says this, yeah, but this one says this, well, yeah, but this one says this, yeah, but this one says this, and you're dialoguing. Don't judge each other on those issues. Number two, 
A principle is found in here that you be accountable for yourself and to God. So don't judge others and make sure that you're accountable to God. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. You're accountable to God. Not me accountable to God for you. Now as a teacher, I bring myself under a harsher judgment, don't I? If I lead any astray, oh, that's a terrible thing according to Scripture. But you're accountable to God for yourself. Let each one of us be accountable to God according to our own deeds, our own thoughts. And so with that in mind, in accord with the previous thought about not judging others who have a dispute or disagreement, I would encourage you to always consider the other person's point of view. You take this, you open up the scripture for yourself and you say, all right, I believe this. Can I argue against myself from scripture? I think scripture says X. Can I go to scripture and say that X is not true? That's being fair with scripture. Don't just pick out the passages that you like. Go to the whole word of God and speak. Not with your own reasoning, but with the reasoning of Scripture. It's a wise thing to do. Um, And that's why it's important to be uh, a a part of God's people so that we can search the Scriptures with one another and make sure none of us falls victim to just thinking everything I believe is right. No, it's never going to work. We're all growing and learning. Number three, Romans 14, 19 says... So then, we pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. We pursue peace. We pursue building the church. When people like to argue and tell others they're wrong, they are not seeking peace. They are seeking to break down and destroy the Lord's church. Let us never be a part of that. Pursue things which make for peace in the building up of one another. Number four, the strong are to bear the weakness of those without strength. Romans 15, 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So if there's a disputable matter and maybe somebody is off maybe they aren't quite understanding everything fully yet bear with them help them come along help build them up bear with them Uh, and that doesn't mean you sacrifice god's word in the meantime disputable matters is what i'm talking about number five persevere in the written word and be built up By the scriptures. So here is paramount to everything that we're talking about here. Um, Romans 14 and into chapter 15, they're talking about disputable matters. But then in chapter 15, it comes back to this idea. Verse number 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Scripture is where we turn to. Scripture, it's all about persevering in here, persevering in the faith and studying so that we can be built up in God's Word. 
And number six, pray for God to do something. Number six is pray for God to grant you to be of the same mind. So listen to verse five. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those people who made those creeds way back when, were they praying for unity? Were they praying for God to help bring us together? Or were they saying, we're right, they're wrong, we've got to tell them they're wrong, we've got to tell them they're lost, they're heretics, they're going, uh, you know. The goal has to be unity, and we've got to pray for God to give unity. And then number seven is verse number seven from Romans 15. It says, therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, to be fair, in the book of Romans, he knew what their disputes were, and he knew their disputes were disputable matters, and they weren't matters of faith that should have been separating them. So in those matters, accept one another. You might have disagreements, you might have opinions that vary on a particular verse or topic, but accept one another in Christ Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to die for the church to make us all one in him. He gave his blood to make us one. One group, one body that is forgiven in Christ Jesus. So accept one another. Don't judge in the matters that are disputable. Be accountable for yourself to God. Pursue things which make for peace in the building up of one another. The stronger to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. Persevere in the written word and be built up by the scriptures. Pray for God to grant you to be of the same mind except one another. I really believe if we're digging into God's word and each of us humbly approach God's word with an honest heart, just like the Bereans, we can be brought together as one. That's true for us in this place. It's true for us if we go down the street and we reach out to somebody who has a different name on the door that if they would sit down with us and have an honest discussion of some things that are beyond disputable matters, that if they would have an honest look at Scripture, they could come to an understanding and we could be brought together as one. That's a beautiful thought. And speaking of uh, matters being disputable, related to something else I saw at Williamsburg, next week the discussion is going to be, is baptism a disputable matter? So look at baptism with fresh eyes, I will say, um, considering something I hadn't considered before, uh, is baptism. Are there things about baptism that can be disputable? Might have to come back next week or listen next week to find out if there's something new for the discussion or not. But friends, it's all about us being united in Christ. It goes back to the communion feast. 
We commune with God. If we're communing with God, if we're one with God, then we're one with one another. And there is only one way to be one with God. And that's to be baptized into Christ. So I encourage you today, if there's anybody out there who needs to give their life to Jesus, you want to be devoted to his ways. Not your own ways, not the ways of any other man. I encourage you, by faith in Christ Jesus, to come give up your own life and live for him. Let your uh, sins be washed away and buried in that pool of baptism. Let the blood of Jesus do its wonderful work. Today is the day that salvation is offered. And you can come and be joined together with the one church. The universal church. The real Catholic church that is just one church. You have the opportunity to join that today. If you need to respond, you're welcome to come today as we stand together and sing this song.